most of what you're going to have come in now are going to be your your yearling your yearling does the the fawns that hit the ground this year mm-hmm. um and people are like the, a fawn will get bred this year. yeah um i was in iowa a few years back actually i was actually filming with alex i wasn't with alex but i was with a yeah. friend um man that, that's been some years ago now alex yeah but uh, we we filmed a, a mature buck breed a yearling doe, um, and I was I looked at I looked at the guy I was at making gifts. Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in the early dawn to climb the. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. WiseEye Technologies presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors. Calling via phone from my home. Redbone's in the studio. Wayne Locke is in the studio. And the rut is just trickling right now here in the Midwest. And that's going to be our subject matter. Trickling rut, going into post rut, and we got a special guest calling in today, Mr. Parker Stapp, an old friend of mine. I've known for many years. He owns the outfitting business in Kansas called Kansas Pride Outfitters. This guy's putting people on big bucks like crazy, Redbone and Wayne. Mm. It's unreal what he's doing out there. Yeah, and uh, well, they got when you say big bucks, Kansas has got big bucks. That's exactly what I was. That's exactly what I was thinking. As soon as you say Kansas, the first thing you think of is big bucks. Big bucks in Kansas. They do. They do. And I tell you what, we're going to pick his brain. We're going to learn who he is, and he's going to share some of his tactics with us for late season bucks and how he does it to help get his hunters on big deer. So, that being said, Let's talk about local sports and NFL, et cetera, college football. What about the Mizzou Tigers? They're yeah. playing Ohio State, I guess, coming up this weekend. Uh, no, New Year's Day in the Cotton Bowl. Oh, okay. Cotton Bowl. Okay, I'm, I'm taking ahead then. I'm no. way ahead. No, New Year's Day in okay. the Cotton Bowl. And I was surprised there wasn't a little more talk. You know, when it got to the point, well, they uh, they had that, that other loss aside from the one to Alabama, but uh, – was kind of surprised that they weren't in the mix. And I don't think they would, should have made the top four for the national champion, but should have at least been in the conversation. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah, good for the Tigers. It's great for recruiting, and it's good for Eli Drinkwitz. I mean, Eli, he, he won the SEC Coach of the Year. And the uh, what's the name Schrader kid has is, is already won two or three postseason awards, you know, for the you know top. Matter of fact, one of them is for the top college football player, wow. period. Not just running back, but top football player in the nation. So, yeah, good things for Mizzou. That is awesome. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs took a loss. I predicted that, guys. And uh, I I must say, I'm going to back up a little bit. I'm sorry I couldn't make the show last week. I don't know what I had, but I was down sick. (laughs) 
for four days. I laid in bed for two days. I ate on Tuesday evening, and I ate two or three bites on Thursday evening. I do not know what was wrong with me. I had a fever and frequent bathroom visits. It was pretty rough. Yeah, almost sounds like uh, food poisoning. I think that's what it was. I really think it was. I've had it before. And uh, I, I really think it was. See, that, it happened. I was eating at a local chain there in West Plains. Uh, ran over my phone. I had quite the day on Tuesday <laughs> last week. I say, as soon as you said food poisoning, that's what you get for not e- uh, eating with Linda's food only. Yeah, that's right. Got to eat <laughs> Linda's food. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but moving on, the Kansas City Chiefs. I predicted that Philadelphia would beat them, and uh, the Chiefs just got. I'm a Chiefs fan. Sleep, eat, breathe, I'll die, she said. But something just told me the guys are not, that the team as a whole is not as explosive as they was the last two years, in my opinion. And they don't execute. They make a lot of mistakes. And that all goes back to discipline. The same way uh, with with any sport. Yeah, well, I think, I, think it, I think more of it goes back to just uh, talent level. I mean, when you've got rookie wide receivers, they're going to make a lot of mistakes, and they don't know how to get open. Travis Kelsey uh, is—he's even talking about retirement now. I think physically, just the, the toll his body's taken over the last, you know, eight years he's been in the league. I think he has just run out of gas. Yeah, and, and that happens to professional athletes, especially when you know, like him, thirty-six or thirty-seven years old, whatever he is. And so, and when you were the number one uh, target. Every game, when you're, you're going to be taking more. Target. Well, when you're the only target, you're the going to take more of a target. beating than you know your average wide receiver would. Yeah, uh, but anyway, they'll yeah. and, and there's. I mean, they're you know they're still got the second best record in the the AFC, mm-hmm. and uh, you know a win this week and it all turns away. You know, it all turns around. The loss to the Eagles, everybody goes, ah, that was a fluke. And and if not for the pass interference that didn't get called down there on the five yard line, they might yeah. have beat yeah. the Eagles. And uh, I mean, that was if a, they would have executed, they would have beat the Eagles by two touchdowns. The way I had it figured. Yeah, well, if they if they had people to execute the game plan, and, and that's my point. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they have the personnel to execute an NFL game plan like like needs to be executed. Yeah, and the other thing they got to yeah. stop doing when we've talked. I, I've mentioned this the last couple of weeks is they they got to stop getting down two touchdowns. You know, yeah. to Early. start a game. <laughs> you know, I mean. Like Mahomes is like, hey, look, you know, watch what I can do in the fourth quarter. But you can only do that for so long, and it's going to catch up to you. Yeah, and one more thing, yeah. I think there's some dissension in the locker room because yeah. you watch those guys on the sideline. There's no enthusiasm. Uh, Travis Kelsey sitting over on the bench by himself. Patrick Mahomes is sitting over on the bench by himself. You know, other star players are coming off the field, and they're not participating on the sideline. They're not. And, and I really yeah, think that not. there's 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 an issue there in the locker room. That they're not making public, and just it my, just just my thought. Yeah, I don't happens. have any insider yeah. information or anything like that. I I do know that that was part of the issue with the St. Louis Cardinals in the baseball season. I have an uncle that works yeah. for the Cardinals and saw him a couple weeks ago, and he said, "Yeah, there were some well, locker guys, room we issues." We got to go to a break. Normal. We got to go to a break. Uh, we got a caller calling in. Uh, we're going to go to break. We'll be right back with more America Roots Outdoors right after this. Hey everybody, this is Michael Whiting with Bone Collector, and you're listening. To my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board 
for a while, like to load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a holler. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits. Buckgrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactating doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want a healthy deer herd use buck grits across the creek up a big old hill year after year the ammunition presents welcome back to american roots outdoor segments Second segment of our show, and as promised, we've got on the phone, on the line, a good friend of mine, Parker Stapp, uh, owner of Kansas Pride Outfitters. As we said in the first segment of the show, this guy is putting guys on big deer. He's been laying them down all fall. I've been watching his social media post, and it's one live feed after another recovering these big bucks. And uh, Parker, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, Alex, it's good to talk to you again, bud. You bet, man. Uh, now tell everybody where you're at in Kansas. Uh, well, I'm I'm in Unit 11 is where our land leases are at, um, and I'm actually based out of a little town uh, called Humboldt, Kansas. That's the home of B&W Trailer Hitches. Oh yeah, I know where it's at. You know where it's at, Wayne Redbone? No, I'm not familiar with that. What? Yeah, I'm not. What here. big city are you near? What was the question? What big city are you near? <laughs> I'm not near any real big cities. Uh, <laughs> we, we own a restaurant in Chanute, Kansas. Okay. Maybe okay. Chanute, like, yeah. Getting a little bigger there. Yeah, a little yeah, bigger. Which, which, where are you at? What, uh, what, what restaurant do you own in Chanute? Uh, it's called The Outsiders. The Outsiders. I think I've eaten there. I was out there doing work with uh, uh, the cement plant out there, and I ate in your restaurant. I didn't know you owned that. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That was two years ago. Yeah, yeah, that, you would have. We've we've had it for four years. So you you, hey, and you live to tell about it, Alex. So we're doing something <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so what kind of so, food? So what Parker, kind of food do you serve? Let's let's, let's just give them a little yeah, advertising uh, here. It's well, we're kind of off the char- or off the wall type of food. We have several, you know, just regular burgers, but we have some gourmet burgers, uh, beef tips. Um, I'm getting ready to go have the Chanute mix, and what that is, it's a uh, it's a grilled chicken breast on a bed of mashed potatoes, and we take grilled shrimp and asparagus and cover it all in queso. It'll, it'll put you in a it'll put you in a, a coma. <laughs> bet it would. Wow. Put you right put you right to bed. Yeah, my arteries are clogging up just thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You know, yeah. You only live yeah. once, right? So Parker, yeah, go ahead, Wayne. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I was thinking the same thing about the, when you talked about your arteries clogging mm-hmm. up. I was thinking the same thing when you were describing that food. Now it makes me want to go back to my home state of Kansas just to go try it out. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, come, come see us. We'll feed you. I promise. Yeah. So everybody be sure to check out Outsiders, Chanute, Kansas. Uh, but tell everybody who Parker Stapp is. Where, where was Parker born? Uh, where you, you was born and raised? And, and a story about how you and I met. Let's talk about that, too. All right, that sounds great. Um, well, I'm a 42 year old uh, 
guy that's passionate about whitetail deer I have been my whole entire life. I was born and raised in a little town called Greenfield, Missouri, and if you don't know where that's at, it's just on the very south end of uh, Stockton Lake. Yeah, Thayer Bobcats um, play Greenfield in football every once in a while. What's that? So the Thayer Bobcats have played Greenfield in football a few times. Yeah. I broadcast games yeah, from there. My, I sat on top yeah, of the my, press my box. Nephew, yeah, my nephew was a phenomenal football player. Uh, he graduated a few years back, but yeah, uh, we, we, I've, I've been to Thayer. Uh, it's at the end of the earth. Uh, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> right before you go into Arkansas. <laughs> Yeah, but um, no, I've I've been chasing these whitetails for the majority of my life. Like I said, I'm 42. I've been chasing them. I think the first deer I harvested when I was 10 years old with my father, and that just sparked a passion inside of me to not just be a whitetail hunter, but to just like educate myself in the whitetail world. Um, you know, uh, moon phases, high pressure systems, low pressure systems. Um, when they're up and moving and putting people on them at this point in my life, but um, I can remember. Uh, you know, I got a little bit of an allowance from my parents because I was one of those kids that had to wash dishes and mow yards and, and you know, the school of hard knocks of, we didn't have cell phones and TikToks back in those days. So we, we were, we were, you know, helping dad mow the yard or whatever. And I would take that little bit of money that mom and dad would give me. And I would go downtown just about every Friday night and rent a couple for, you know, well, back then there were VHS tapes. And, um, man, I, I love it. Boy, oh, yeah, boy, oh, boy. And, uh, I, I grew up watching the Drury Boys and, um, you know, Bill Jordan's Real Tree and Larry Wysoon and Michael Waddell and Alex Rutledge. You know, I, I can name so many of them that have, that have touched my life over the last 30 plus years of, uh, of, just trying to educate myself on how, how to be a better whitetail hunter. Um, and then it's gotten me to a point now where we lease about 3,000 acres out here in Kansas, and I've already been talking to, to new farms here in the last couple of weeks about uh, expanding uh, a little bit more. I don't want to get too big for my britches out here. Uh, I don't want to have to hire a bunch of people, and I don't want it to become a meat market. I want it to be I want it to be what my dad raised me on, on what whitetail deer hunting is, um, not a lot of what it's become. Uh, not that it's a bad thing, but, but sometimes it becomes more of a competition than it, than it was a pact. Yeah. That's pretty neat, Redbone. That's, that's very well said. You know, I want it to be what it, what it was and not what it has become. I, agree. I love that because it's, it, take it back to family and not, not commercialize it like it has become. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and the fact, if I may interrupt, and the fact that he doesn't want to run a bunch of hunters tells you what kind of person he is uh, and what kind of quality of a hunt that he can give you. You know, that's a big statement. Yeah. I don't I don't have, like, a Facebook or nothing. I run everything through Instagram, and everybody that comes out and hunts with me nowadays has been word of mouth or they've, they've been return customers. I've got guys that have been hunting with me now for six years. Um, so just to have that return client, that base says a lot to me, you know what I mean? And, and I, I, I have turned down a few different opportunities to take more people, but at the same time, it's really nice when your success rate is good. And at the end of that, those people are looking at you, you know, I, I just had a guy hunt with me this year, a couple of his buddies put in and they were going to put in the three of them. Um, and they all put in individually and two of them that were, that had actually contacted me first didn't draw, but another gentleman that was out, he came out and 
he told me, he said, he, he, I don't know how many times he messaged me after he left. And he's like, he's like, I just want to let you know, Parker, like that's the, that's the best hunt I've ever been on. And w- the way I did it this season is I didn't have any overlapping hunters through the entire season. I've got 27 sets out here um, on different farms and a set up for different wind directions and, and so on and so forth. And um, when people come out, we're watching cameras, um, but but mainly we're just getting them in a tree on farms that are just not pressured. Uh, it's it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I I grew up in Missouri, like I said, and they sell around eight. And I'm not trying to downplay what Missouri yeah. does. Missouri yeah. Department of Conservation. They're they're doing what they've found is successful, but they sell around eight hundred thousand tags a year in comparison to our one hundred eighty seven thousand tags a year out here in Kansas. So uh, the pressure out here in Kansas is just. It's the it's it's it, it reminds you of sitting in the timber the first week of of uh, bow season in Missouri just all year long. <laughs> nice. Hey, I know we got to go to a break, Alex. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk more about his outfit and what the uh, what he offers at his camp. Can't wait to hear it. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, stay tuned with Parker Stat, Kansas Pride Outfitters. Don't go away. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, y'all. It's Tyler Farr. And you're hanging with me and my good buddy, Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. In my old pair of hunting boots, passed on down, planted deep in the ground, around your heart, so you never gotta worry. Hey guys, it's food plot planting time here in the Ozarks and all across the country. What are you planting this year, Wayne? I'm going to put some smorgasbord in with a whole lot of clover. You're going to put some extra clover in it. What? Smorgasbord? What is smorgasbord? Man, it is a variety of annuals and perennials that will get you through fall time, winter time, and all the way into spring. It's awesome. You want to plant healthier food plots to track all kinds of game? Go to www.eagleseed.com. It's a smorgasbord. You know, we all get tired of certain things. The smorgasbord has everything. Your deer will love it. Eagleseed.com. American Roots. Eagle Seed presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoor segment three of the show. Again, we're talking with Parker Statt, the owner of Kansas Pride Outfitters, a longtime friend, and him and I go way, way back. And he was telling his story about uh, he's just obsessed with white tails, and he worked for everything he's got as a kid growing up. And and I, I met Parker uh, at a very young age at Bass Pro Shop, Springfield, Missouri. He would come and. Actually, stay with me in my booth many years in a row, wouldn't you, Parker? Oh, yeah. 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 He'd sit there with me and help me with people and visit. He's, he's my buddy. And uh, we've become very good friends. And, and, and I'm going to say something here. Uh, we've become such good friends that uh, he named his daughter after me, Wayne Redbone. Really? Yeah, and she's been, on- hey, she's been honoring ever since that, too. Real honoring. <laughs> How old is she? She's well. She'll be today's a six. She'll be she'll be twenty three on the tenth. Oh wow! That age is that age is mine and Alex's relationship right there. Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I was hoping she was like ten, and I was going to say, oh, she's probably taller than Alex. 
<laughs> yeah, well, she, she she's definitely taller than Alex. He, she's about a five ten. <laughs> Shoot, she's taller than me for yeah, sure. Than yeah, me. me too. She, yeah, she's way she's way prettier than Alex. That's for sure. Well, that's a given. <laughs> that goes without being said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so tell us more about uh, Kansas Pot Outfitters. How many hunters do you usually run a year? And uh, anybody that's listening may be interested in booking a hunt with you. How would they contact you? Let's talk about all that. Yeah, basically, um, I can leave my number, or you can just find yeah. me on Instagram, Instagram at Kansas Pride Outfitters. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, like I said, I don't get in a big hurry about booking hunts uh, in Kansas. Like, you know, I, I have a lot of people contact me through this time of the year because everybody's thinking white-tailed deer this time of the year, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Kansas is a draw state. Um, and sometimes, you know, I've had guys that have never put in for the draw before that have actually drawn, but then I've actually got guys that have had preference points to not get drawn. So the, the system's a little bit strange out here, but what I usually do, um, I think, I think through the season with muzzle loader, bow, rifle, and then late, late bow, um, what I usually try to do is I, I try to put in between 20 and 25 guys. Um, and what that allows me to do is I usually lose between seven and eight um, people a year because of the draw. So so my numbers of this year, I think we ran about 16 or 17 hunters this year. Um, through. I want to call it camp, but it's not really camp. We have an Airbnb above our restaurant that a lot of our people stay in, or, or we actually, you know, encourage them to, to – to stay, you know, close to whatever farms we're going to be, we're having them hunt because we want to spread what we're doing out here uh, economically out through our community as well. Go eat, at, go eat at our restaurant, but go down the road and eat a case place, or go to go to Fort Scott and eat it. What you know, what, you know, we just we really encourage all of that for sure. Well, I love hearing that. I yeah, love hearing that. It's all about community. I love that. It's it's the craziest thing, and and I, I want to say a little bit of something about what I do because. It is kind of crazy to think about my dream my whole entire life was, yes, it was to chase after these big, large whitetails. I, I knew at a really young age that my heart was going to be in Kansas. I just wasn't sure how I was going to get out here. And uh, uh, the Lord opened up an opportunity for us here about six years ago. And we come out here, and I started leasing up land and working for another gentleman for a while. Um, and... Uh, it felt like it was more of a number game than it was a, a quality hunt game. And um, I I straight, straight away from that. And um, the, the most kickback that I've gotten, um, and I want to say this out loud because I think it's very, very important to us. Because when you talk, when you talk about uh, outdoor sportsmen, uh, we're, we're, a, we're a family. Um, whether, we're, whether we're elk hunting or we're mule deer hunting or we're antelope hunting or we're whitetail hunting in Kansas or we're fishing in the ocean, we're outdoor sportsmen. Mm-hmm. And that's a passion we all share together. And um, you get a lot of kickback and rebuttal from uh, some locals at times uh, because, you know, you're bringing out-of-state guys in and so on and so forth. But I do want to encourage everybody the next time that you buy a tag for something uh, and, you know, you, you give somebody a hard time for coming in and hunting in a community that you live in, but then you go into another community and you're doing something that you can't do in that com- in your community, in their community, you're an, out, you're an out-of-state sportsman at that moment, too. So I think we need to, you know, be a little nicer and a little kinder to each other and uh, because because 
I have met some of the most amazing people doing what I'm doing. Some of my best friends are retired New York City police officers. Um, I've got a preacher from Texas that's come out. His son plays uh, Major League Baseball. Like, it's the greatest community in the mm. world if we can just keep it that way. Yeah, we can just all get along. And and as far as you know, the community getting on you, I think you're doing the right thing by limiting the number of people because you know, it sounds to me like you could easily bring in 75 or 100 people through the course of the entire deer season. And and then they, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the fact that you're holding it to a, to really a minimum, uh, they should be really praising that. And the fact that they've got to stay at the local motels or, you know, got to eat at the local restaurants instead of you building a lodge and bringing those people in and never getting off the farm. I mean, I think they should applaud that effort. Well, it's just, that's just where I'm at, you know, and I think I learned a lot of it in the restaurant world. You know, when you put in a steakhouse uh, down the, you know, down the road, there's another steakhouse and then across town, there's another steakhouse and then everybody's being competitive. And Shauna and I, what we've done is we've really tried to break those barriers down in the community that said, you know, like, why don't we work together? Like it's instead of against each other, let's work, work together. And, and, but, for the outfitting thing, as far as as far as I'm, I am, you know, uh, the thing you can't do, you can't look, you can't look at the numbers that you think that you can bring in um, that are going to overstep what you can do as a whitetail outfitter. Um, you know, these deer mean more to me, uh, and I know it sounds crazy. But these deer mean more to me than than the money I'm bringing in. I do this because I love it and I enjoy it, not because I'm trying to get rich. We we are successful with with our business at the restaurant and the Airbnb. Um, and I just feel like this is an opportunity because I told Alex the other day, if God would have blessed this with me, you know, even 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been mature enough at that point to handle what I'm doing. It probably would have become about the money. And now that I'm a little bit more mature and I've got a little better head on my shoulders, um, I feel like I'm doing it the way it should be done, period. Well, you know, I was going to say, yeah, you can I, tell it's about the deer and not about the money because of just looking at the numbers he's bringing in, because he's not looking to harm the deer population or the genetics by over over hunting. He's being very careful of keeping the amount of deer that he has, so they grow and he keeps those those great genetics that he does have there for you know for the next season, the next season, and for generations. I'm sure pretty soon you're going to have guys that are going to be bringing their sons that you you took 20 years ago. Yeah, I, I look forward to it. <laughs> Well, I, I want to say this about the whole thing about, you know, some of the locals getting upset about non-residents coming in. Uh, what you got to thank people like Parker for is bringing those people in because that money spent there buying that tag uh, and buying food at the local restaurants, uh, buying uh, gas, whatever, to, at the gas stations. Whatever they buy, they're supporting your community, and that helps the tax base within your community and when you're counting. And some of that tax money goes to your school systems. So think about that next time you go to gripe about a non-resident hunter coming into your town. That being said, we're going to go to a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more with Parker Stapp about Kansas Proud Outfitters. He's going to share some techniques with us on the trickle of the rut going into post-rut and how to set up on these big deer. Don't go away. We'll be right back with more right after this. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. 
accurate, deadly, dependable Hornady ammunition. From a two-man operation in 1949 to a world-leading innovator of bullet, ammunition, reloading tool, and accessories design and manufacturer today. Hornady, each piece is hand-inspected to ensure consistency and quality. Ammunition engineered to perform flawlessly, simply put, the best. Hornady Ammunition. Find Hornady Ammunition at a retailer near you and at Hornady.com. Soil Pro Outdoors presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors segment four of the show. We've learned a lot of great things about Parker Staff Redbone Wayne. Oh, no doubt. Yeah, it sounds like a great business model, uh, and and wish that a whole lot more outfitters maybe would follow the same kind of business model. And you know, and that might be getting to be the popular thing. I mean, these trends come and go, and maybe the trend is going that direction. Yeah. You know, I'm an out. The reason I do that, you know, I could run 50 to 100 hunters if I wanted to, if I wanted to tie up land, but that's not my focus. Parker and I are on the same page. I love deer so much, love turkey so much. It's just about sharing the outdoors, uh, making people happy, even though it don't do make my living, but it helps me. Uh, Parker and I are on the same page. So, what we're going to do here is educate people. You know, here in the Midwest, and Parker's only about four and a half hours from us, or in Kansas, around Chinook, Humboldt. Humboldt's also famous for the speedway they got there, drag strip. So everybody knows where Humboldt, Kansas is. You're a muscle car lover, drag car racer. Uh, Humboldt, Kansas has got a, a drag strip right there. So, so Parker, tell us about some of your strategies right now. You still have a little bit of a trickable rut there, too. You're only four and a half hours due west of us over in Kansas. What are some of your techniques? How do you close the deal on some of these bucks? Well, right right now, um, what I've noticed, you know, like, so so I can break I can break it down, and this is the way I want to do this. Um, the Like, the, around the 28th of October, that's when I start noticing the ramp up of the rut. Um, and what that looks like, there's about three or four days where some of the, my biggest, most mature bucks are up on their feet trying to lock deer, lock those down. And then you have what I consider the lull for about the first 12 to 13 days out here in Kansas, and then it picks back up and runs all the way through Thanksgiving. So now that we've come through Thanksgiving, you're looking at post, post-rut does coming in, and that's just the does that didn't get bred in their first and second cycles. Um, and right now, for out here, because we're able to hunt deer over bait out here in Kansas, mm-hmm. or or even if you're not able to hunt, you know, I know a lot of guys uh, in Missouri put out food plots and stuff. It's literally just getting right back into that green source or that, that food source or that pile of corn or whatever it is you do as a whitetail hunter um, to make yourself successful and put you in that opportunity. But right now, it's all about feed. Um, if, if you're in the feed, you're in the deer, no, no matter what. The, those bucks, they're all... They're all in there. Um, I was sitting sitting with a friend of mine this afternoon, and um, we seen we seen several deer. Um, I think we seen probably about thirty, and I think we seen probably seven or eight different bucks. And I had two shooters that was on the neighbors on the fence row, but everything is back into winter wheat or um, they're up in in corn piles. So right now, 
for for success in post rut, and and they are still nudging. I mean, they're they're looking and pushing. They're but but they always are. As, as soon as as soon as that estrus hits the air and in the end of October around here, they're they're running and and looking till about January. Honestly, I I've got another rut that'll that'll actually happen around Christmas time, um, and I still see you know. So what you've done, you've taken your doe herd from the first breeding cycle. And you cut it in more than more than half, so that same group of bucks has to get up. And the thing I do love about out here in Kansas is our rifle season is going right now, so our deer have been able to breed um, consistently and safe uh, now for a little over a month. Oh, nice red bone. Well, and that makes sense too that they're back in the back in the fields, back in the feed because they're trying to put that weight back on that they um, that they lost during all that running around chasing the does in the first rut. Yeah, it's all it's 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 all about recovery at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like you said, I think you hit the nail on the head. If you've got food, you're going to have deer right now. And again, uh, what you do, pay attention to the moon phases. Uh, you'll see breeding cycles. You know, last year we had a mass, uh, huge mass crop here in the Midwest in the Ozarks. Our rut never did slow down here. It was just constant rutting for over a, m- a month and a half. Come into late December, you know, it was crazy, chasing and breeding and all kinds of stuff. But uh, what we're seeing now, we, had, we did not have an acorn crop this year in the Ozarks where I live, so it's all about food source. And uh, if you've got food source, you're going to have the deer. And this is where your trail cameras come in, like the wild-eyed data cams that collects data and tells you barometric pressures, moon phase, and it collects this data and tells you the best time to be there to close the deal on that buck. The deal is with me. Uh, I, I rock 104 days and I passed several bucks up. Uh, I've not found the deer that I want to kill yet. And I'm still watching my wise eyes to determine which buck I want to kill. That's going to be daylighting. And also what I'm seeing, uh, Parker, where I live, everybody around me now has caught on to what I'm doing. Not saying I've taught them, but they've learned it from, from videos, TV, et cetera, stories, et cetera. Everybody's food plot now. Everybody's feeding here in the Ozarks, and when you feed, and if you're not hunting your land, you can feed. If you're not hunting it, you're going to hold the deer. Yeah. So it can be a dilemma. Yeah, you know, because I'm I'm still hunting, so I can't put feed down where I'm hunting. You right. Know? Yeah, uh, we uh, last year when I did my taxes, um, and I know that there's probably somebody out there that probably does, doesn't agree with it, and that's okay. I think I think yeah. we all do things a little different, yeah. you know. Whether you're putting yeah. out a scrape or you're putting a food plot out, or like yeah. here in Kansas, you're dumping corn on the ground. Uh, yeah. When we did our taxes last year, we did a little over twenty thousand pounds of corn through last year's season. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, I got one for you. I got one for you. I fed over two two ton. I'll take it back. I fed a ton a month from August. Plumb through April. Together. Yeah. That. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so, so sometimes Sean looks at me and says, These deer are eating better than we are, Parker. <laughs> <laughs> well, buck grits, I've got to get you hooked up with buck grits. So i got to send some to you. But anyway, it's yeah, high sure. protein, uh, it's got amino acids, and it helps the digestive system. It's amazing. All the deer here on our place aren't they, Wayne? They're just fat and healthy. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and they're hitting it hard now. If you if yeah. for people that are feeding, they're going to be going over to their property. Um, you know, the people that aren't hunting on it because they're getting they're trying to recoup like we were just talking about. I mean, they want to get that weight back on. 
Uh, well, I figure here in the Ozarks, we got about another week, and it's going to start kicking in again. Yeah, right yeah, about the this, middle of December. We're getting ready to have a yeah. we're getting ready to have a cold snap here in Kansas, and I've got a couple of guys coming in from New York. Uh, they're with Team Tag and Brag, and mm-hmm. uh, Dino and David, and they're coming in to hunt. Uh, they'll be here on Friday to hunt for six days, and we've got a massive cold front that's going to come in. Highs in the 40s, lows in the 20s, and I'm just you just. You just sit and wait. I mean, because they're going to be there. You, you, if you've got if you've got a farm that's got winter wheat on it, uh, cut, you know, old cut standing corn, um, or old cut corn, or or like we do, we just throw three or four hundred pounds of corn on yeah. the ground, and, <laughs> and you're you 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 can you can you can basically um, pick whatever buck you want to hunt. Uh, and and be pretty successful at it. So also, Parker, that's awesome. yeah. As, as we talk about yeah. these these late season and this late rut coming in, uh, is it a good idea to go sit all day, or are you seeing the buck on their the on their feet in the middle of the day? And I would think so, with the weather really cooling down and you know almost winter time now. So if you use the yeah. water, you wouldn't have to sit all day. I was going to say, I guess, I guess it depends on what your home life looks like, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but, but for guys, that, for guys that want to sit all day this time of year, um, more power to them. I'm not going to say that's the right thing or the wrong thing to do because I'd hate for tell you to to not do it and you're home ten minutes and your camera goes off and you're like, well, I should have yeah. stayed in there. But your your um, your doe herd. I would say that 95% of your doe herd at this point has been bred. It, like here for, yeah. for me, I'm, I'm going to say 95%. Um, and, and what I mean by that is you might have a, a mature doe that didn't get bred um, that's going to come back in. You know, I don't know how many times after she comes through her first cycle that she comes back in. If she comes back in, you know, she'll come back in in November. And if she doesn't get bred, then she'll come back in in December. And I'm not sure how long that that goes out, but let's go ahead and say that it does come in in December. But most of what you're going to have come in now are going to be your, your yearling, your yearling does the, the fawns that hit the ground this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are like the, a fawn will get bred this. Year. Yeah. Um, I was in Iowa a few years back. Actually, I was actually filming with Alex. I wasn't with Alex, but I was with a yeah. friend. Um, man, that, that's been some years ago now, Alex. Yeah. But uh, we we filmed a, a mature buck breed, a yearling doe, um, and I was I looked at I looked at the guy I was at Nathan Gifts, and I looked at Nathan. And I was like, "Well, that's a first for me." And uh, it was it was during uh, it was during late late muzzleloader or late shotgun, whatever whatever days those are in uh, in Iowa. So and it was cold. <laughs> yeah, I saw a video you know, just the other day. Somebody posted a, a baby fawn. We raised a baby fawn. Uh, and she's now 18 months old. She comes home every day. And she never got bred last year. And See, she was born in June of last year. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's why. she never got bred. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I... I, uh, I, I know that I know for me, uh, for, for me doing what I've done over the last few years of my life, um, I've educated myself a lot, just being out there with the white tail, mm-hmm. um, I know that I see at least three different um, phases. And, and the fun thing about phase three of the rut for me, like the third yeah. rut, is th- if there's a hot doe in the area, every buck in every that area is yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like, well, there were seven bucks chasing that one doe, you know, and she's, and she's still resistant. <laughs> yeah, let me say this, and we've got to wrap it up here. What you're going to see also right now is bucks that was really aggressive, that was really breeding a lot, are really run down. So they're really yes. concentrating. They they 
they still try to breed, but what they'll do, they'll, they'll bed and not move much right now. They'll they be close they, to food sources. Let me say this, Alex. They act just like a bull elk. They will get a harem of does, and if that group, any of that yep. group of does yep. tries to get up and move, he will nudge her right back into that fence row or wherever he's got them You're bedded. exactly right, man. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life, and I just started seeing it in Kansas when I first moved out here, and it was during that third rut phase. Yeah, well, you've been a wonderful guest, man. You've given us a lot of great information. If I was to sum this all up, Redbone Wayne, the knowledge you give us is, is food, 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 using your trail cameras to, to collect the data and to figure them out and find them. If you find food, you find the food they're going to, you're going to find the does, and you're going to still see a trickle of the rut. And you got food and a trickle of the rut, you're going to have all the deer where, you, where you're going to close the deal. Redbone? Yeah, I would agree, and we do have to wrap it up because we're running just about over time. So, Wayne, tell people where they can hear more on this subject. I would say just because the show's ending on the radio doesn't mean that this show is actually ending because you got a bonus segment you can check out. Uh, the only way to get to the bonus segment is through your favorite podcast carrier. Just type in American Roots Outdoors and click subscribe, like, follow, whatever it says for you to do on that uh, podcast carrier, and uh, listen to the bonus segment where we're going to talk more with Parker about the uh, postseason rut here. Yeah, we're also going to talk about Parker's ordeal, being able to meet Dick Idle and talk about big antlers and stuff. He got to hang out with Dick Idle, which is one of the goats of whitetail hunting. Again, thank you for being a listener of American Roots Outdoors Radio and Podcast. Thank you for supporting us, and remember, share the outdoors with a child. You know, the kids are the future of hunting. we got to keep our sport strong. It's a God-given right that we have to hunt these animals that he's created and always remember this, everybody. When your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hey, deer hunters, are you looking for an easy-to-use product to help enhance your food plots and enhance the health of your overall deer herd? You need to check out Soil Pro Outdoors. They are the soil health experts. They've developed a revolutionary and groundbreaking approach to taking food plots to the next level. It's easy to use. can be applied with something as simple as a handheld sprayer. Enhance antler size, the health of your herd, and the health of your soil. Soil Pro Outdoors help produce the highest quality forage possible. All natural approach to improving soil health. Find them on Facebook at Soil Pro Outdoors. Soil Pro Outdoors, the soil health expert. From a whipper wheel to an old house who sitting still till it's time to shoot American Roots. Buckridge presents Welcome to American Roots Outdoors bonus segment. If you're listening to this, you're listening to this probably on your favorite podcast carrier. We appreciate you listening to us. Again, our special guest is Parker Stapp, the owner of Kansas Pride Outfitters. This guy has been helping people lay down some giants. If you haven't followed him on Instagram, go check out his Instagram page. It's Kansas Pride Outfitters. He does some amazing stuff. They're killing some absolute giant deer there in Kansas. We're going to turn it over to Wayne and Redbone, and we're going to talk more about Parker's techniques for late-season whitetails and, and 
his time he got to spend with the famous whitetail hunter, one of the greatest of all time, Dick Idle. Yeah, Parker, I tell you, the uh, I'm looking forward to this because I know for you it's it's about antlers, it's about the deer, and you had time to spend with someone who also thinks the same thing as you, and that is it's about the antlers, it's about the deer, and they put them first above and beyond most anything else in their life right now. Yeah, it's uh, that's a passion that started with me a long, long time ago. Um, I wasn't even driving a vehicle yet. Um my mom used to actually take me out to a little piece of land that I had. It was just a permission piece. Um, a lady that she worked with, worked, worked with at the bank um, had given me permission to hunt their farm. And I started going out there in the springtime to, you know, start thinking about turkey season. And I started finding antlers. And from that point on, um, it was it was something that has been in my blood Um I, I, I like looking for antlers as much as I like putting people on whitetail deer. I found 108 sheds this last year, this last season. So wow. wow. Put a lot of miles on, but yeah. Huh. All right, so uh, uh, yeah. Parker, let's, let's, let's talk. You know, we never did mention uh, uh, during the radio portion of the of program, and, and we'll talk more, you know, tactics too, but uh, what is the biggest buck that you personally have harvested? Uh, 173. Ooh. Ooh, Was that in Kansas? Yeah. Wow. One seventy three is my best buck ever. Wow. I right, so what about Missouri deer? Have you have you got one a Missouri deer biggest that you killed before you, before you uh, transitioned? One fifty six was my best Missouri deer. Yeah. Nice. See, those are those are both great deer. Heck yeah. All right, so yeah. Um, I I've I've had opportunities at better bucks um, over the last few years, uh-huh. uh, but doing what I do, I think it's I think it's bad for my reputation sure. uh, we killed a 211 a 193 and a 203 um and it's better to see my clients putting those deer on the ground because you can catch a lot of grief if you start killing deer on your own properties trying to sell hunts yeah, <laughs> and I, you're you're the one behind the antlers yeah i, I would 100 percent agree with that and I, that was gonna be my next question what are the biggest bucks that have been taken you know through your outfitter and wow <laughs> those are some big bucks yeah yeah, it's yeah, it's it's consistently been good. Uh we actually had a buck this year um that we were trying to get on and uh, long story short he ended up getting poached. Um and I didn't realize the deer had gotten poached, but uh Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks uh called me the other day and visited with me about a little bit of it cuz they're trying to get a little bit more details about it cuz there was me and a couple other guys that had trail camera pictures of it and it was an out it was an out of state gentleman that uh that had come in. Um, he didn't have a tag, um, and he was 191, 191 inch oh, deer. Oh, man. Now that deer yeah. will just go to waste. Wow. Yeah, I, that we, I did talk to them. Um, he's in the um, he's in the cooler down here in Chanute, the freezer down here in Chanute, Kansas. And uh, I told him, I said, I'd like first opportunity to, to, to get that head. Um, mm-hmm. And they said, we, we might be able to work something out with you. I said, I would I would make X amount of dollar donation to the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks or whatever um, I, I could to, to, to get it. Cause, um, that if, if we could have harvested that whitetail, that deer would have ate probably about like a ribeye steak, um, the way <laughs> we were keeping him food. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. All right, so uh, during yeah, the radio... He, he, yeah, go, go ahead. He, he got off. He he got off the farm while love was in the air, and and it cost him. I think so. Yeah, that's mm. you know, no telling how often that actually does happen. 
uh, all over the country. So, uh, uh, Parker, during the radio portion of the program, we were talking about late season, the fact that, uh, you know, here in another week in Missouri, we think, and, and within, you know, the next two or three weeks, probably across the country, except way down south, it'll be a little bit later, second, second rut's going to come in, and there'll be some does that, that come back in. So um, uh, kind of reiterate again for our podcast listeners uh, what you feel and what you see on your farms uh, hunters should do to hunt this postseason rut. Like like we were talking about on the on the um, podcast, it it's one of those things where if you've got food, you stand a chance of of killing you know some of your best bucks this time of year, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, because there's way less receptive does, and all it takes is for one hot doe to come in and eat at a food plot or eat at feed, um, and she's probably going to drag the whole neighborhood of whitetail bucks in with her because. Um, that's that's where they're at right now. They're 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 are they're in recovery. But if there's a if there's an estrus doe um, within your woodlot, um, you're you're the luckiest you're the luckiest man in the county at this point. <laughs> well, that is so true. And I like how you described it earlier that it only if you have one, you'll have every buck from your neighbor's house and everything. It kind of reminds me of like if you take a magnet and drop it in a bowl of clip uh, paper clips. That's kind of what that is. I mean, yeah. you get it only takes yeah, one and one hundred percent. Yeah, they're yeah. bringing them in. And if you've got two or three, Katie, bar the door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Double, double yeah. lock your the, gates. The, 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 the hardest part about right now, other than uh, is, is it's, it's those bucks are, if there's a doe in estrus um, in your block of timber, um, that's where that's where your bucks are going to be. If you've got seven shooter bucks on your farm, that's where all seven bucks are going to be. They just, they're just going to fight amongst each other, and she's just going to try to find the nastiest, thickest brush pile to jump off in the middle of just to try to get away from all of them. But but if you if you can get her to come into a food plot or feed or something like that and convince her to do that, then you're you're definitely in the chips on that for sure. Wow. So now, as far as uh, I mean, being in being in the set or in a stand or you know in in your blind or whatever you're you're hunting, I would think maybe using a little doe and estrus would be a a, a good tactic to use if you're going to go out and hunt this part of the season. It's as as soon as that as soon as that estrus smell hits the air, um, starting in like I said, late October. Uh, th- that's the cool thing about where I'm at is I, I get to watch these I get to watch these big mature bucks try to find those very first receptive does mm-hmm. around the 28th through Halloween. Um, and uh, as soon as that estrus hits the air, that estrus is a good smell all the way up until the close of the season. Yeah, I would that's, think so. That's a good point. That's a good point. Now, I do have a question for you. Do you notice a difference in how the bucks react uh, in that post-rut from when you hunted Missouri to what you're seeing in Kansas? Are, are they pretty much similar? Or are you saying, man, it's like a total different kind of breed and, and buck out here? The thing that's like I said, I know I don't, I never want to talk bad about where I came from because I love Missouri and that's that's where my roots are at. Okay, mm-hmm. but, but the pressure on the deer herd in comparison to what we have here in Kansas, um, and I know that there are certain certain places like take Alex's farm for instance. He's had that farm for a long time and his deer are used to him and 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 do, doing what he's doing and and he he knows how to pressure his deer. To, to, to make them feel comfortable and, and they act like deer. They're not just, you know, they're not trying to put their head down to eat and then looking back up and putting their head down to eat and looking back up and always looking around them. Um, another one of the things that we do out here um, is I, I hire a, a dad and his son and they come out and um, trap all of my farms 
um, in late winter. So, so we, we get a lot of, real of a lot of predation. Um, I think we caught 27 coyotes. I don't know how many bobcats and stuff wow. last year, but I know for sure we caught 27 coyotes off our farms last year. So, um, the difference, I guess, is that, to answer your question is, is I feel like we, we hunt a, a herd of whitetails here in Kansas in the part that I'm at. Um, that's very, very minimal pressured. Um, I've been out quite a bit over the rifle season, um, not only by myself, but with, with a couple of clients. Um, and I, I was telling my buddy tonight, tonight, um, I've set, it started on last Wednesday. So we're, we're a week in and I think I've heard seven rifle shots since, since I've been out. Hmm. That's amazing. That's seven. It is amazing. I promise. <laughs> That's amazing. You'll hear that in five minutes. Yeah, I, I was thinking I, I heard that Saturday morning alone. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the difference between 180,000 gotcha. tags and, and 800,000 yes. tags. Yeah, gotcha. Wow. Well, Parker, it's been a, it's been a lot of fun talking to you, and, and you know, between the radio show and, and here on the podcast. And uh, you know, if somebody is interested, I know you kind of limit you know the number of hunters. Could you give us uh, information again to contact you if somebody? Wants to come to yeah, Kansas you can, reach me on, you can reach me on my you can reach me on my phone at six two zero five seven seven one zero seven six. Just shoot me a text message on that. Um, like I said, uh, it's hard to say one way or another whether you, you can come and hunt with me because we got to figure out what the draw is going to look like. Sure. And that's in April. You find out in June whether or not you drew. If you didn't draw, you'll get a preference point. And what I charge is it's thirty five hundred dollars, and that's a six day. Um, sun up to sundown hunt. Um, wow. I do not offer lodging. I encourage everybody to, to, to find a local hotel or com- support a nice mom and pop uh, Airbnb and, and eat local. Wow, fantastic. That's, that's great. You know, and I have one question that is somewhat deer related, but also not deer related. And that is guys that have tagged out already, they're already starting to think of something that's going to be coming up this spring for hunting, and that's turkey. Um, is that something you also offer? Do you do spring turkey hunts in, in Kansas there? Because, I mean, can- turkey hunting in Kansas is phenomenal, too. Yeah. Well, our numbers are really down. Um, they actually, the Kansas Department of Wildlife and Parks actually eliminated our fall season out here this year because our numbers were so far down. Um, I do have a few farms, um, but I'll probably sell about five hunts, and that is that is it. Uh, okay. I don't. I don't want to kill my turkeys off. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Well, you treat them just like the deer. You're... you're more worried about the population yeah. than you are about the money. I love that. The craziest thing that I have over here that I haven't had since I was a kid, and you guys are you guys are going to be like, man, I, I sure do miss that. But today, when we were leaving a farm, I had to stop uh, as was, I was going through a, uh, a a gate gap, and I had twenty seven um, quail walk across oh. the road in front of me. Going oh, into man. I see quail. Not every day, but I see quail every week. And yeah. I, the only thing I don't enjoy about quail um, is when I'm trying to get from point A to point B, and they're they're in between that point, and I didn't realize they were there, and they flush, and I wasn't thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I love that. Yeah, yeah, we do, we do miss that, and I know Alex does too. I know. All right, so uh, yeah. Wayne, it's time for us to wrap it up. But first, you've got to announce the winner of one of our giveaways, right? Yeah, yeah, we actually have a winner, uh, William Powers is a winner of the Hunting the Dream book uh, from M.R. James that he autographed. Oh, cool. So I'm going to get a hold of William. Uh, William, if you're listening to this, get a hold of me, and uh, we'll get that book shipped right out to you. And, uh, again, I want to thank uh, Parker for being on the show with us today. I mean, great, 
Great time, great stories. I love that. And we're going to have to get you back on again here after the season. Let us know how your season wrapped up. But uh, again, everybody, yeah. if you're listening to the sure. podcast, make sure you leave a comment, uh, a review. Go to our Facebook page, leave a comment under the uh, the post about the podcast, and uh, you could be a, a winner just like William Powers was. Yeah, we're going to do a great big giveaway at the end of the year. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for today. Thank you for listening and uh, uh, tune in anytime. All right, when your roots run deep and strong, there is no reason to fear the wind.